Welcome back to Dear Old State, the Athletics Penn State podcast. I am Athletic College Football Editor Matt Brown, joined as always by Penn State writer Audrey Snyder. Audrey, how are you holding up as we enter week uh, 400, I don't know, of the shutdown? <laughs> I'm good, Matt. You know, I we're recording this on April 15th, so you know what? I know there aren't many silver linings these days. Uh, however, I might have one for all of us. I looked at the weather forecast for Saturday, which would have been the blue-white game. does not look great, Matt. You know, as much go. as it stinks <laughs> that there isn't a spring game, the weather looks pretty crappy on Saturday. So that's how I have felt at about it on looking, the virtual tailgate. That's how I felt looking at the uh, weather forecast for Augusta National last Sunday when the Masters was not being played. It was also supposed to be terrible in Georgia. So at least we're not dealing with that. <laughs> yeah, if it was like 70 and sunny for the blue-white game on Saturday, like then I'd be like, oh, this is really, really bad. But it's just like, ah, looks like a crappy day. It was like 32 in State College this morning. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, All yeah, the I am reason still, to stay inside. I am still sad to say this is not our blue-white game preview podcast. We do not have, you know, 13 or 14 practices to talk about. We do not have a blue-white game to preview. However, we are doing a podcast because it has been a newsworthy time, surprisingly. Yeah. Penn State football. <laughs> uh, you've had the opportunity to... Talk to a lot of coaches, talk to uh, players, some recruits, all of that. I mean, in the past two weeks since we last did a podcast, uh, Penn State ha- has made available Kirk Shiraka, Tim Banks, Jawan Sider, Terry Smith. Um, they've had a run of recruiting commitments. And we're also going to get to the promised interview clips from the guy who kind of kicked off all of the, this recruited news for Penn State. Yes. Uh, before this recent run was Landon Tangwall, the uh, four-star four-star offensive lineman from Maryland. So surprisingly, a lot to cover during the, the shutdown, uh, despite the lack of spring practice. You've had a run of stories up on The Athletic. So, of course, for anybody who has not subscribed, we're still doing a, a lengthy free trial for everybody. Um, Audrey has had a run of stories that kind of cover There's what Penn lot. State is doing uh, away from campus. You've written about what? You've written uh, strength training, to, yeah, strength quizzes. Training. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. Um, I had a have a story up today, uh, Wednesday uh, with Etor Gross Matos. I got him on the phone for 30 minutes the other day, just me and him chatting about setting up for the NFL draft at home in Virginia. Um, He had some really interesting stuff to say about the future of Penn State's defensive line, too. So I encourage you guys to check that out. But yeah, I mean, Matt, it's been surprisingly really busy and not just because of recruiting, but because there's all these new angles of like, okay, how is online schooling going for these guys? What does that mean for academic eligibility whenever this, you know, whenever this season happens? Um, There's just so many different stories. Dwight Galt, how is he mixing up workouts knowing that guys got tired of just doing bodyweight exercises right away? Um, I've talked with PJ Mustafer. I'm going to be talking with Jahan Dotson here shortly too. I mean, how are these guys leading when they're away from campus? Like to me, it's as much as this is an absolutely terrifying time and we all wish we never would be in this situation, um, it's just something unprecedented in terms of writing about it and the stories that are coming out of it. So we're covering it from that angle, but we're also going to write about recruiting and, you know, we've, we've been doing that too. So all over the place, Matt, but I think these assistant coach and coordinator Zoom sessions have been really beneficial, really insightful because it's about maybe 25 minutes with the media, with these assistants or coordinators, two per week. Uh, And we've just been kind of going right through the entire roster. So I've learned a lot, Matt. And 
especially this time when everything else is shut down, it's been really tremendous to be able to pick, you know, these coaches brains. All right. Well, I'll put you on the spot then. You've learned a lot. What are your biggest takeaways? Maybe before we dive into recruiting, what are your biggest takeaways from talking to these coaches the past couple of weeks about maybe the current roster or, mm-hmm. or what's going on right now? Yeah, so I'll go kind of like one by one. So Shiraka talked uh, last, I guess it was last week. I don't know. All the days are the same, Matt. The weekends feel the yes, same. We're all, <laughs> we're all in the same boat. But when Kirk Shiraka spoke, uh, I mean, he hasn't. I thought it was interesting when he was asked about the quarterbacks and, okay, you know, obviously he knows about Sean Clifford. He watched Sean's film. He knows about Will Levis. He could watch a game and a half between Rutgers and Ohio State, a Levis in action last year. But he really, he said he hadn't really seen Michael Johnson Jr. and and Taquan Roberson throw a football because he was supposed to see that this spring. So these guys are at home throwing on their own two to three times per week. But Chiraka, for the younger guys, still doesn't really know what all that looks like. So I asked him, I said, well, how do you make sure all of these guys on offense are retaining information and concepts at this point? Because you don't have the practices. It's not like you can go out there and say, okay, yep, I know you were paying attention at our meeting because you just you know, executed this. So he said they're giving the players quizzes. So I turned that into a story and I was asking people last week about what are these quizzes like? How do they do them? Uh, they take them over Zoom. A lot of position groups take them on Friday. So PJ Mustafer said to me, he said, listen, like these coaches always know what we're up to. They're staying on top of us. So both sides of the ball. I mean, this is how you can gauge how are you presenting the information? Are they absorbing it? Because so much of, you know, the timing with an offense, that kind of thing, you have no idea what that's going to look like whenever these guys get back to campus. But they will know that they all know the offense. The other thing with Shiraka, Matt, they, a lot of this offense was installed before the shutdown happened. So all winter, you know, there was a lot of preparations made. So yes, they're going to be behind because you don't have that timing. You have quarterbacks who are at home throwing to whoever and not the receivers are going to be playing with this season. But um, you can still gain ground. And that's kind of been a theme with all of these coaches is how do you maximize this time given that, you know, everything is is so crazy. Yeah, and Chiraka, it's just it's just an interesting situation. We've never had, you know, we thought we thought everybody would get to see Roberson and Johnson throw this weekend. Like that's what the Bull White game turns yeah. into is the guys battling for the number three quarterback job. But you know, we don't get to see it. But not only that, it, it's Chiraka doesn't get to see it either. So you know, Penn State benefits in that it has a two really kind of two veteran quarterbacks coming back. I mean, uh, a starting quarterback in Sean Clifford, and then a guy who's played who's been around the team will levis you know they have veteran running backs they have veteran offensive line the receiving core is the biggest unproven as we've talked about and we'll continue to talk about <laughs> for a long time probably god man um, can you imagine if this season doesn't start till like february you know how many times we're gonna say the words <laughs> wide receiver between now and then that's basically i mean that, that's by far the biggest thing to like speculate about with this team beyond yeah. like recruiting and how that's gonna go and all that it's just the unknowns of the wide receiver so um we haven't gotten the we'll receivers see. coach recently. We did get him when he was introduced. Um, but I guess I'll keep it with the offense then, and, and I'll jump to Jaywan Sider, who we spoke with this week. And you know, Matt, I did not come out firing, asking specifics about the running back rotation. Who's going to start? Yet. Who's going to start? <laughs> so, you know, it's a little bit early for me to start banging the Noah Kane drum again. Uh, but I did find Sider's comment really telling, uh, specifically about Journey Brown. He said that, Looking at the last five games of last year, obviously including the Cotton Bowl, which you can't forget, 
um, looking at those last five games, he felt that Journey Brown played as good as Miles Sanders the previous year. I think that's accurate. I don't yeah. think we can argue that, really. I mean, the I bowl mean, performance, it, but even even beyond the bowl performance, I mean, Journey Brown, uh, what did he, like, after Noah Kane's injury, he ra- ran for 100 yards in four of the last five games. Even the Minnesota game, which was, a, you know, a, a debacle for Penn State, 124 yards, 8.9 yards a carry, 100 yards against Indiana, 103 yards against Rutgers, 202 against Memphis. And the Ohio State game was like he didn't get the ball enough. It was because they just ran Will Levis into the ground. Uh, but yeah, 11 carries, 64 yards in that game, and a couple catches for negative yards, but still ran the ball well when he got the opportunity. So I, I don't think there's any doubting that, really. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, to me, it was like, okay, this is your guy. This, you know, like they, they've known going into the spring, Journey Brown was going to be your guy. But the interesting thing there is that he said, you know, he felt Devin Ford last year was enjoying college too much. And he quickly added, he said, listen, I'm not talking about like partying too much, just like enjoying the freedom and trying to figure out like how to structure his day and those kinds of things. Um, so they're looking for Devin Ford to try and take that that next step now that he's like matured a little bit, those kinds of things. Um, again, it's going to be a good problem in that backfield. It's, yes. you know, you're going to have at least three guys vying for carries plus two freshmen, which who knows exactly how they're going to factor in at this point. Uh, one of whom was on campus before everything got shut down. So, you know, the running back room, probably, I'll say it, Matt, I'll say the most compelling position group on the team just because, well, running back and linebacker, because I don't think you have two position groups yeah. with more talent than those two. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I I, I would put them in similar in similar realms in terms of talent. And obviously, you know, the most proven player on the team is Michael Parsons. But at running back, you have just – it's just an exciting group. And obviously, we just – everybody is just kind of biased or talking about the offense and the running backs and all that. Uh, and it's just – Journey Brown, the what he showed, which, yeah, I would say he kind of looks like a guy who can play like Miles Sanders or as good or even better. Um, And but I still think Noah Kane could end up being the best running back on the team. So it's just a really compelling group uh, for sure, especially because they're it's such an unproven receiving core that you feel like this team can really lean on the running game to, to make Sean Clifford comfortable to take pressure off of him and to take pressure off of a young receiving core. You know, it's interesting too. I I guess this was, yeah, last night, I don't know, watching the Tiger King bonus episode, which I would not <laughs> recommend. Very much a waste of time. I've already seen it too. So <laughs> like, I was like a waste of time at a time where I'm wasting a lot of time. Um, but anyway, so I got bored from that and I was scrolling through Twitter as one does. And uh, I saw a video pop up that I believe Penn State must have put out on Tuesday. And it was about the top players in the state staying home and going to Penn State. And the video included Micah Parsons. It included Journey Brown. Um, it included Jan Johnson and John Reed. And it was really cool. It was kind of like a roundtable conversation. Obviously, totally recruiting promo video. Don't get me wrong. Yes. <laughs> but uh, the whole the whole point was like, hey, you know, we stay here. We play for our state. And I think that's the other really cool thing with Journey Brown is this was the three-star track guy. You know, he's finally shed that label, J1 Sider said this week, that, you know, so much of it was, oh, he's got the track speed, the track speed, it's so great, but he's got to, you know, put that on the field and become a complete football player. But now he's shed that label. And so here, you you know, you have the three-star kid from Meadville who's just blowing up right now. And so I think whenever this season happens, uh, Journey Brown is going to be a lot of fun to watch because you got to think too, Matt. I mean... 
thinking back to that bowl game, you just watch that and you're like, all right, Jay Sider, like, good luck dealing with all of this. But <laughs> it still seems like three really good personalities in there. Um, still have no idea where Ricky Slade is ending up um, as as we record this on April 15th. No idea where, where he's headed. Uh, but still, extremely healthy, talented running back room. All right, let's shift gears to the defense. You've talked to uh, both of the secondary coaches, Tim Banks and Terry Smith, in the past week or so. Obviously, Tim Banks kind of in the news for the recruiting, but what else have we heard about? It sounds like Terry Smith was particularly interesting about the the growth of the cornerbacks and what Penn State's looking at there, which is another key position given the past mm-hmm. defense struggles last year. Yeah, I mean, the past defense, that's the glaring area. I asked Brent Pry about it a few weeks ago when we talked to him. I mean, that's you look at the defense and you say, oh boy, something's got to give there. Um, and obviously all the coaches agree with that assessment, so we're stating the obvious here. Um, but we're all on the same page, so let's let's celebrate that. Uh, however, talking with Terry Smith, uh, I thought Terry's always, I think, one of the most honest interviews. But one of the things he said was with Tariq Castro-Fields, he said it was really a tale of two seasons for Castro-Fields. That they thought he came out the start of last year, had a really great start to the season, was really coming on strong. And then, and I had not heard this before, so this is the first. We know how Penn State gets about injuries. But he said that Tariq Castro-Fields got hurt and that that, he's like, I don't want to make excuses, but that was part of why they felt he really struggled the second half of the season. That was interesting. Um, Again, you know, when you don't talk about players' health, I get it, competitive advantages. I also get it, you know, for setting guys up long terms, those kinds of things. But to me, that was a really important thing to know, right? Because Castro-Fields was getting railed a lot of places for his... uh, you know, performance the second half of the year. Well, there was some stuff going on there injury-wise. So I thought that was interesting. But we know, Matt, they are loaded at corner when you're looking at guys like Keaton Ellis, Marquise Wilson, Joey Porter Jr. Um, And the guy that I asked Terry Smith about is one who I think a lot of people probably have forgotten about, but was Donovan Johnson. I mean, if he can stay healthy, You've got such a good problem on your hands because you've got so many talented guys. Uh, And he did say that whenever they start practicing again, that they expect Donovan Johnson to kind of be that guy who gets the shot there first. You know, you kind of get the first crack at that starting job that's open. Uh, We'll see how it goes from there. But again, it's like, hey, don't, don't forget about this guy just because he got hurt in the pit game last year and dealt with injuries the year before. Uh, the important link there too, Matt, is that Donovan Johnson is out of Cass Tech in Detroit, which leads nice us transition. to Tim Banks. See, I am I have two cups of coffee in today. <laughs> Look at me. Um, leads us into Tim Banks, and Banks speaking last week was absolutely brilliant because he spoke like a day before Jalen Reed commits. It's almost as if so Penn State days. knew something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crazy, right? Like, are you telling me this was planned? Um, but. You look at how they've, and we'll get into this a little bit bit more, but how they've recruited Detroit, recruited the hell out of Detroit. You're continuing to see those results. But for Tim Banks, it's also like, hey, we know this secondary, these safeties, we know they have to get better. Um, Trent Gordon's going to be part of that. You look at guys changing positions this spring. um, Trent Gordon is one of those guys, or would have been changing positions this spring. Um, I thought too, Matt, while we're talking safeties, this was a really telling comment from Terry Smith as well. He said that Lamont Wade is the voice of the defense. That surprised me a little bit um, because I think we always think Micah Parsons, that kind of thing. Um, But Lamont Wade has a lot of people's respect in that locker room. And Terry Smith said 
he thinks that Wade is captain material. So that pretty I think big is, from the last yeah. offseason when we're talking about a guy flirting with leaving and <laughs> from the it. transfer portal to starter to now yeah. maybe a captain. That's pretty crazy. But yeah, he's coming into his senior year here, and you know he up and down year last year, but he was like the star of the Ohio State game on defense. So we've seen flashes from him. Uh, we know he can be a an outspoken guy. Um, yeah. So. You know, it's it, it, we've talked about compelling position groups. I think the defensive backfield is certainly up there just because, again, it was a liability at times last year, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for kind of multiple reasons. You know, injuries certainly played a part there. Uh, but, you know, it's so much young talent. There's some veteran guys. It's a really compelling position battle. It's going to be interesting to see who's kind of playing that star role, that, that nickelback yes. role. Uh, so there's an opportunity to get a lot of different guys on the field, but it's – Still, it's it's. We talked about the three freshmen last year. We talk about a guy Donovan Johnson who's been hurt. We talk about Casher Fields coming back, Wade coming back. It's it's a really interesting position group to watch because you feel like they are certainly capable of making a leap forward and performing at a much higher level than last year. Oh, no doubt about it. And I think you know part of that too is one of the things Brent Price said is when you examined this secondary. Well, why were things going wrong? Was it because the pass rush wasn't always as consistent as they hoped? Perhaps. Was it also because maybe they were throwing too much at some of these guys? Some of them potentially too soon? Perhaps. Like, there's so many things that you have to think about. But kind of an underlying theme here with the secondary and something that Terry Smith brought up too is back to that Minnesota game and defending the RPO and all the challenges that presented to them. Well, now you've got a great chance to learn how to better do that because you have Kirk Shiraka, you know, down the hall from you. So I think there's a lot of opportunities for this secondary to get better. And no doubt, Matt, I think it has the talent there. It has the guys in place to be really, really good. And now you're seeing that carry over to the recruiting trail where last week they were loading up this defense for years to come. Yeah, so there was, I don't want to call it concern, but people are always, you know, recruiting classes move at different paces. And Mm -hmm. if you look at the recruiting rankings early, uh, you find some some oddities. Alabama, for one, is is been really slow to get started this year, which is, you know, shocking to see. I'm sure they're going to end up in the top five. But Penn State was kind of in a similar boat where they had two members of the class in Nate Bruce and Liam Clifford. uh, And that was both they were both October commitments. And then it was just very, very, very quiet until, as we talked about, and we're going to hear from him more, Landon Tangwall committed on March 26th. And then that led to a flurry of news last week where we had four Penn, four commitments to Penn State in about 24 hours, three of whom come from Detroit, two of whom are brothers. So we had four-star safety Jalen Reed from Detroit, four-star cornerback Kalen King from Detroit, three-star linebacker Kobe King from Detroit, and then <laughs> a little bit of a changeup in a more typical uh, <laughs> commitment is uh, Zaki Wheatley, a four-star athlete from Maryland. So all of a sudden, Penn State's class shot up. I think it was 13th nationally, and it's now 15th nationally. It's only 7th in the Big Ten because there's some schools who have a bunch some more oddities, yeah. But uh, Penn State got you know three four-stars in a 24-hour period up to seven commitments. So... Yeah, a pretty big 24 hours to kind of get some momentum on the recruiting trail. Huge. Uh, huge 24 hours. And, you know, Matt, it comes in bunches, it seems, right? It comes yeah. in waves. Landon Tangwall started things off before that. And the way I equated last week in my story was to what the Blue-White weekend typically has been. 
right? Yeah. Guys get on campus. It's a huge visit weekend. Uh, usually there are, we are better tweets while players are on the field warming up and then while the scrimmage is going on and it's just a whole thing. Um, but this is essentially last week got them the results, better results, uh, than the spring game would have been. And I think it's really a credit to Penn state's entire staff. When you look at how they've approached recruiting during the pandemic and how they clearly have not backed away, they have not given up on anybody. I mean, they're FaceTiming like crazy with kids. They're staying in touch with them. Uh, one of the things I wrote about last week was what could potentially happen if there aren't recruiting uh, camps this summer, right? Like if Penn State can't get prospects yeah. on campus, how do you get their measurements, right? How do you get some of these times and workout types of things? Because Penn State always has wanted to see kids work out in person. So we'll see what that means for, you know, some of these 2022 guys more so. But a lot of these 2021 kids, they've already seen a ton of. They've already done the legwork on them. Yes, you don't have the spring evaluation period because of the pandemic, but you know what you're getting. Um, to me, and Matt, I'm going to put you on the spot here with some trivia because I've been meaning to look this up and have not. Um, I've been slacking, of course. When is the last time Penn State has had a pair of twins on the roster? Oh, geez. I don't know. Tw twins? Hmm. Yep. And there's been brothers. There's been plenty of brothers. Uh, there's like the Collins family at Penn State. There's the Suey family at Penn State. <laughs> and plenty of family members. Twins, though. Uh, I'm sure there's been two, but I'm There are not... the McPherson brothers a few years ago, but they there weren't you go. twins. They weren't twins, though. I don't know. We'll have to, this will give us something to do. <laughs> uh, we'll be digging through old media guides if anyone needs us. Uh, but you know, what? I think it's, you look at, okay, four additions all on defense because they're looking at Zaki Wheatley to be a safety. So really you've got two safeties there uh, in this class between Jalen Reed and Zaki Wheatley. So that's good. You're setting the board for the future because look at what they're going to be losing down the road, Matt. I mean, you know, Lamont Wade's going to be out of eligibility next year. Like, you know, all this talent that we're talking about in the secondary, while a lot of it is younger, some of the corners especially, um, you're going to have the natural roster attrition. I mean, it's it's going to happen. Tariq Castro-Fields will be gone after next year. Uh, but, so you look at the safeties, I think it positions them really well down the road. Plus, it gives these two guys a chance to start getting to know one another better, start bonding, those kinds of things. And then the guys who don't need any time to bond, uh, Kobe King, the inside linebacker, and then his brother, Kalen King, uh, the four-star cornerback. So what I think is really interesting, Matt, with Detroit is there's a ton of talent there, no doubt about it. Uh, Penn State has had a lot of success in Michigan over the years. I mean, just thinking back, uh, Allen Robinson, right? He was a kid from West Branch who, strangely enough, they kind of stumbled upon Allen Robinson uh, when they were looking for Rob Bolden. Right. So one works out. The other one certainly did not. So you have that. Uh, you go farther into the state. Anthony Zettel was a guy under, you know, underrated guy that they were able to get from there. Uh, you mentioned Donovan Johnson earlier, guy from Cast Tech. Uh, I mean, the list just goes on and on. Lance Dixon last year. I mean, Penn State. K.J. Hamlin. <laughs> oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah. K.J. Hamler, right? <laughs> Duh, the one right in front of us, um, you know, from Pontiac, Michigan. I mean, it just it's really crazy when you think about all of the big time talent they've gotten from there over the years. So 
Part of that is proximity. Uh, Tim Banks had mentioned last week, he said, yeah, we talk a lot about three hours between campus, but really it's six hours. It's that six hour radius where you have to own. Well, from here to Detroit, driving is six hours. The other great thing, Matt, as someone who's been on it this flight many, many times, State College to Detroit, 50 minute flight. I mean, it go. doesn't get any better <laughs> than that. I mean, if this is what you're pitching to these kids, it's so easy. I mean, I, I absolutely love that flight uh, because it's, uh, yes, a lot of times it's kind of the jumping off point to getting other places. But if you're a kid from that area, that's, and it's a cheap flight too. Uh, I mean, you can sometimes get like a hundred, 120 bucks from here to there. So a six hour drive, 50 minute flight. It's all wonderful. Um, but I think on top of that, it's, you're getting the production from the guys here that are from that area. And that's important. I mean, if KJ Hamler comes here and doesn't work out, that word spreads back home. You know, guys pay attention to that. Uh, Lance Dixon, I mean, this was somebody who they plucked right out from underneath Michigan, where they, you know, a lot of people even close to Dixon are like, oh, you know, maybe he'll be a viper for the Wolverines, that kind of thing. KJ Hamler was super close at one point to going to Michigan State. So I think this really sets it up interesting for Penn State now as, yes, we know they're always going to be competing with Ohio State on the field on the recruiting trail, but now you've got a chance to separate yourself even more from Michigan and Michigan State by plucking some guys out of their areas. And even you can say last year's class, you can say two of the top three rated recruits in the class were basically from the Detroit area. Uh, You know, you talk about Curtis Jacobs as the number one from Maryland, but then uh, Enzo Jennings from Oak Park, but also Theo Johnson from Windsor, which is right across the border from Detroit. Uh, Super is, close. You, know, you made it part of one of your trips to Michigan. So I was there maybe, yeah, maybe 25, 30 minutes. And I think I waited longer at the border to get across. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you get across. There's Tim Hortons. I mean, and that's why in my story, I mentioned Theo Johnson as somebody who I consider from that area because it's sure. so close. You know, I mean, it's that whole region. But you're talking about powerhouse programs, too. Like you're looking at Martin Luther King. You're looking at Cass Tech. I mean. These are St. Mary's Prep. I mean, these are schools where you're getting big-time talents. Uh, So the fact that Penn State has a guy in Tim Banks from Detroit, attended a powerhouse, then, you know, has all this experience over the years coaching, but also maintains those established recruiting ties, including that stint as an assistant at Illinois, that's been so big for Penn State. And I do think that until last week, it was definitely an overlooked part yes. uh, of Banks because a lot of people, you know, like we were talking about, they wanted the rail on the safeties last year and the secondary as a whole. So he's gotten a lot of heat, but look at what he's done as a recruiter as well. And I think that's super, super important. For sure. I mean, it's something that can never should never be overlooked. I mean, you know, Larry Johnson Sr. was a great defensive line coach, but also he helped save the program by his recruiting in the Maryland and in the D.C. area, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 15 years ago. Uh, you know, Tom Bradley, the work he did in Western Pennsylvania. Now, now you look at, you know, obviously James Franklin has connections in the D.C. area, but Tyler Bowen as well in Maryland. Um, you know, Tim Banks in Michigan. It's just that's a spot where you wouldn't necessarily and think Sider immediately where Florida. Penn State can go in and but yeah, yeah and obviously Jay Wan Sider in Florida has been tremendously valuable so as Penn State tries to Penn State's still not a national recruiter really necessarily like like an Ohio State is uh, but isn't they don't bit. they they still focus first and foremost on the region uh but, but you have they to. they do have reached out nationally in some respects it's not yes. they're not a national recruiter like Ohio State is which is right. we're going to go after and get the best five stars no matter where they are. <laughs> Penn State's not at that level 
which we know. Well, but they're in the conversation. Deal. They're but in the they, conversation. They are branching out. They're in Florida. They're in Michigan. They've gotten a couple kids from Texas. Um, so it's it's more of I think pick and choose some pick their spots. Oh yeah, yeah. But they, and they certainly have found it. ways to do it. They've been smart about going into a Florida. Like you look at a John Dunmore a couple of years ago, right? It's like you go into Florida. You're not going to get every kid in Florida. You know that, right? You're not going to recruit everybody away from Florida, away from Miami, and then away from the SEC. Like they understand that. But you go in, you get certain guys who are still four-star guys, you know, or high threes, whatever you want it to be. Uh, but you get those guys, and then you develop them. But I think, Matt, to your point, Ohio State's recruiting out of their mind. Um, that's uh, it's insane. Looking at their class um, last week, it's ridiculous. Yes, it's still really, really early on, but they're just they're at this other stratosphere right now. They're you know up there with Clemson in that those levels, right? But what Penn State needs, and I get it, it's easier said than done here. I'm not trying to diminish it, but Penn State needs to close on some of these five-star guys, or at least one or two, um, or a guy like Dante Thornton Jr., who you were in on before and still have a good shot to be in on. But you need some more of these elite guys to be able to take that next step, whether it's a Caleb Williams, whether it's a Nolan Rucci, uh, Tony Grimes, which now I feel like becomes much less of a priority, not a priority, but less of a need, given that they have a lot of talent at corner and what they just recruited in the last week. Um, they're still, you know, among his list of finalists, but probably not as, as pressing for Penn State now as it could have been. Um, but I think that's the difference, right? You've got to be able to close on some of these guys. You're in the conversation with a lot of these big-time guys, but you got to start plucking one or two of them. And that's why going back to that video about Penn State guys staying home, Okay, Penn State's doing a great job in Michigan right now. They're doing a really nice job in Maryland, right, with Tangwall and Wheatley, and historically they've done a great job there too. Maybe we'll see with Thornton Jr. if they can continue building on it. But now you've got to come back to taking care of in-state and Nolan Rucci. I mean, they could have just tagged the guy in the video that they sent out there yesterday. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's the whole thing, right? PA guys have to stay in PA. Um, you got to get Nolan Rucci. Because they, I mean, it is... Again, we, we've talked about it, I think, on the last podcast. You know, you look at the guys who are committed right now in the state of Pennsylvania. Ohio State has two from St. Joe's mm-hmm. Prep. Uh, Clemson has Jeremiah Trotter Jr. from St. Joe's Prep. Uh, so, and, and, you know, Pitt has the only other uh, blue chip recruit in Pennsylvania who's committed is to Pitt. So Penn State, though, could, you know, change the conversation a little bit if you land the top player in the state, take care of business at home. Can we revisit this for a second, Matt? Because that, that you said Pitt and it jogged my memory to something so weird last week. So uh, Pat Narduzzi met with reporters on Zoom last week. I was following some tweets, as one does. Um, and Narduzzi made the comment, I guess someone asked him about how they're recruiting right now. And he said that he didn't want to address it because they're doing, like, like what's the like pushing the envelope he's like i don't want other teams to know what we're doing right now with recruiting oh, and i'm on. like dude everybody's <laughs> doing the same thing like it was uh, i wanted to circle back with my friend former penn state beat writer john mcgonigal who now covers pit for the post gazette and ask them like was he saying this in jest or is the man just that paranoid i don't know <laughs> but i mean Wonderful yes question. pat narduzzi <laughs> everyone is using zoom everyone is skyping everyone's getting creative everyone's creating videos like you're not unearthing a gem right now but <laughs> that's the end of my my rant on that but i just it was so bizarre keeping the rivalry going way to go audrey <laughs> uh, you know s- stoking the fire whenever i can 
So we talk about, though, number one player in Pennsylvania. I guess we can circle back to the number one player in the state of Maryland, which, again, mm-hmm. we talked about him committing, Landon Tangwall, uh, four-star offensive tackle from Good Counsel in Olney, Maryland. He committed on March 26th. Audrey, you had a chance to talk with him. There is an article up uh, kind of with your full interview with, with yep. Landon Tangwall, but we're going to play some highlights here. Uh, we've got a couple clips from the guy who was kind of the ringleader of this recruiting surge a week or Absolutely. two before the, the four commits in 24 hours. We had Tangwall, who is the best player in the class right now. So, Audrey, what are we going to hear from uh, your interview with Landon Tangwall? Well, you know, Matt, one of the things I always like to ask people, especially, you know, recruits particularly, is when did they know, right? Like, why were you committing at this particular point? Because Tangwall was going to commit later on, but then originally it was supposed to be the Friday of the Blue-White game. So he was going to commit, then he was looking forward to like the fan base loving him, coming up here for the spring game and enjoying it and really soaking in the moment, building momentum that way. But then the pandemic hits and the recruiting ceremony, or the signing, not the commitment ceremony rather, that was going to be at his high school is off the table, right? So now he's at home. Matt, I don't think I've ever interviewed a prospect who was a former water polo player. (laughs) So I'm really intrigued by that. His dad actually was a water polo athlete as well. Uh, But what we're going to hear about is, you know, I asked him about when did you make this choice? And the thing that I think is really going to make Penn State fans fall more in love with Landon Tangwall is the fact that he absolutely loves the weight room. There's a relationship with Coach Galt already, um, but I'll let Landon explain it way better than I can as far as why he picked Penn State. At what point did you know, Landon, that Penn State was it? Because it seemed like Penn State and Notre Dame were kind of out front together for a little while, at least. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, if we're being if we're being truly honest. Yeah. I mean, I didn't decide back, you know, all the way back freshman year. But I had a pretty good idea that I was probably going to end up at Penn State. Really? You know, when it, yeah, yeah, I'd say freshman year. But if we're talking actually decided, like, this is where I'm going to go, I, I I knew I was going to Penn State probably after this season, you know, during okay. after this season. Um, you know, I was you know I was still going to check out, you know, Notre Dame a little bit more, take two more visits. But that was um, that was probably more, you know, just to get get the experience, you know, because you know you don't you only get this once. Yeah. But you know, at this point, it was I don't know how long this thing, you know, this virus is gonna last. And I'm I know I was committed to Penn State, so you know I was kind of tired of waiting. So that's why I just decided to do it. I was gonna say so that's why the bumped up time frame then from April to now was just kind of you were yeah upset. I, exactly because you know if if, I, if someone would have told me you know it would be over by April you know then maybe I would have waited but who knows it might not you know it might not be till July so and I was I did not want to wait that long so I was kind of ready to you know get it started what's the hardest part of, of waiting that long like you said, I mean you getting a lot of people asking you and well lunch yeah. is going on friends that kind of thing right you get a lot of people ask you but at the same time if you know you're going to go somewhere you kind of want to get started and especially you know seeing Honestly, seeing other schools like UNC, Ohio State, you know, even Notre Dame get all these recruits, it kind of makes you like, like, dang, like, I want to, I want to start build, building a class too. So, yeah. you know, it kind of, it didn't push me at all, but it, you know, it made me excited to commit. So, and like I said, I knew I was coming here, so you know, I was ready. Yeah, and you said freshman year that you had a pretty good idea. Why was that? Was it just because, like, yeah. geographically or? Uh, I mean, yeah, where Penn State is, it's definitely ideal three hours. It's basically a straight, uh, straight three hour drive for me from my house. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, that definitely helps. Um, you know, that was, that was one bad thing about Notre Dame. Either way, it was an hour and a half flight along mm-hmm. with a two hour car, car drive, no matter what. 
you know, unless you're flying in the South Bend, which is, you know, crazy expensive. Yeah. But, uh, so no matter what you're to fly in, you know, Michigan or you're to fly into, uh, uh, Chicago. So you're to fly into one of the other, and each of them are about a two hour drive. So that was definitely a big negative for Notre Dame. Um, and another thing I said, I said someone like that was, uh, the people at Penn State, I definitely identify coaches and players, identify okay. with them a little bit more, um, you know, and associate with them. Um, and it's nothing against the people at Notre Dame, yeah. but, you know, it's a lot of DMV guys, you know, East Coast guys, and, you know, we're just, you know, it's different from other people. Um, and that's, that's just kind of guys I associate with versus, you know, not as many of those guys in Notre Dame staff or, uh, or, uh, or players. And, you know, it's not, like I said, yeah. it's nothing against Notre Dame, but it's just definitely, that definitely helped, you know. Yeah, a lot of the players, you know, I associate with and I'm friends with, you know, previously. So, you know, that, that was big for Penn State. Who are you close with on this, this team already? I mean, was there a relationship with Rasheed Walker or anything like that? Yeah, um, I knew Rasheed a little bit when I was a freshman because, uh, actually I was in eighth grade going to the Rivals camps. Okay. Uh, that's what it started. So I, I knew Rasheed a little bit. Um, you know, I'm, I'm friends with Devon Ellis, uh, PJ, uh, friends mm-hmm. with PJ, um, cause we played McDonough my freshman year. Um, someone that I was actually, I started talking to last, uh, last big man camp and we've actually came pretty close as our friend. Uh, so I'm pretty close okay. to Fred now. We talked a lot. Um, you know, I've, uh, I've talked to Pat a lot recently, actually, and then I've talked to Michael like once or twice. Um, but you know, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of guys on the staff I know. I'd probably, you could say, for like five minutes, me naming all the people I know. Yeah. And I think that's something that helped Penn State a lot, you know. I, I know a lot of the guys on the roster. So when I go up there, you know, and I'm walking through practice, you know, everybody's saying what's up. And, you know, at Notre Dame, you know, you know, I don't know a lot of the guys like that. Yeah, so I feel different. like that was definitely. Yeah, definitely a big plus for Penn State. What's uh, Pat's prior move? What's he telling you? Because we've seen Pat getting uh, getting a little more active as a recruiter here in the last year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So he texted, uh, he DM'd me a little while, a couple months ago, you know, telling me to come. And at that time, you know, I already knew. So I, I basically told him I was coming. And, you know, so we, we talked, uh, uh, you know, not a whole lot, but, you know, mm-hmm. talked a little bit. You know, he seems like a great guy. You know, I mean, he's going to be a first-round draft pick year, you know, next year, you know. He's the, he's the best tight end in college football, so uh, so it's, it's cool to you know to talk to him. But uh, yeah, I mean he just he sells Penn State just like how I know it is. You know, that's what, all the guys I've talked to. I haven't heard anything bad about Penn State. Not one of the players have told me anything bad, and uh, you know. So and, and I know the players don't lie either. You know, I've had a couple of guys from other schools, yeah. you know, tell me some bad things about certain schools. So. You know, I, I know they're being truthful, so that you know that definitely helps. Yeah, so that's what a lot of people always say that like the most honest, most truthful evaluations come from the current guys on the team. Oh yeah, definitely. No, yeah. that's that's for sure. Like uh, that's why I'm always asking players questions. Um, and even even like the newer players. I mean, I know not a lot of them, uh, not a lot of them been there. Like Nick Dawkins, I talked to him a lot. I mean, he's new, yeah. but you know, I like to see everybody's perspective. So you know, I talked to Nick, see how it is for you know the new guy. Um, so, you know, and everybody's just, you know, they raved about the coaching staff and, you know, uh, coach, I'm not, I'm not sure if you're familiar with coach Galt was, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, his, yeah, his sons both went to good counsel. Um, and he was around the program for, you know, about 20 years. He always yeah. had, you know, good counsel kids over at his house and all that stuff. So, you know, I've talked to him a lot. He's, and like I said, you know, like I said earlier, I love the weight room. So we talk <laughs> a lot, uh, you know, and that's honestly, so the strength coach is almost one of the important, you know, I'd almost say Coach God yeah. is more important than Coach Troutwine. 
you know, yeah. as far as I mean, I'm with, I can, you know, I can guarantee you I'm with Coach Galt way more than I will be with Coach Trout. Um, so, you know, he plays a huge role. So, it's you know, it's great that, I, you know, I love him. Well, there you had it, Landon Tangwall, outlining that relationship with Dwight Galt. Uh, the other thing, Matt, you look at the spring game and what Penn State loses by not having it, obviously on the field, but also in recruiting, as we mentioned a little bit earlier. It's always a big prospect weekend. I remember a few years, well, here, see, here I am bringing up bad memories. I'm not even trying to. A few years ago, a golf cart was riding around uh, outside the stadium. I'm following the golf cart as one intrepid reporter does. Justin Fields is on the back of this golf cart. Fans are loving him, this and that. Um, but it's a big time to kind of show off your recruits. Tangwell was very much looking forward to that. And while you don't have the spring game now, there's still a chance for him to keep making his pitch to other players. Uh, this is a role, being a recruiter, that he's very much looking forward to. Uh, and Caleb Williams, as we know, Matt, the quarterback who's high on everyone's wish list, Penn State's among his finalists. We'll see if they can get pluck the top kid out of D.C., which would make fans absolutely lose their minds. But... Tangwall has had a chance to play against Williams a few times. Um, so there's already an interesting relationship there, as Tangwall outlines for us. How does not having, you know, the chance, like you said, you've been up to Penn State a bunch of times, but I'm sure you probably would have been up here for spring football, probably would have tried to make the spring game, those kinds of things. Um, how does not having that impact you at all? Yeah, I mean, it really sucked, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I, would, I had a whole plan, basically, to commit on a Thursday and then I was coming up to the, you know, I was, then I was coming up the next day and then being there for the whole spring game and, you know, I was going to be the new commit and all that good stuff. So, and, you know, I was going to, it was going to, I was going to do a big at my school. I was going to wear a suit, all this good stuff, you know, <laughs> cameras were going to come in, everybody was going to be there. So, you know, it was definitely, it definitely sucked a lot to have to do this. Um, but, you know, I mean, we'll get, we'll get those opportunities. I'll be up a lot. Hopefully this thing ends soon. You know, I think yeah. everybody's ready for it to be over. So, uh, get back to normal life and then you know now I'll, i mean i'm going to i'm going to be up as you know every weekend if i can you know yeah. especially after after the season after this coming season for me and after i sign um i think after i sign i think i can do some stuff i can lift with them i know i can do that but uh so i'm going to be trying trying to go up as much as possible yeah so and I, your coach was telling me you guys you're not allowed to early enroll so that's kind of right yeah the school's rule yeah, it's the yeah, whole conference. So, you know, the, the math at St. John's Gonzaga, we can cancel. We all produce, you know, D1 athletes, and it sucks. That, you know, I really think they need to, you know, look and try to change that. But, you know. Yeah. What? Um, how do you envision your role now, Landon? Is it kind of something, I mean, a lot of guys, it's, you know, you're the third commit in the class, so you have the opportunity to help shape and mold this thing. Um, how do you approach that? I mean, are you excited to kind of play the role of a recruiter now, or have you already been doing that? Yeah, I mean, I've already kind of done it um, yeah. once I, you know, once I decided. Um, you know, I was actually just talking to uh, Dante, and I was talking to his uncle. Mm -hmm. We were uh, on the phone with them actually right after I committed. Um, you know, I'm, I'm on Damian Robinson from uh, from Quince Orchard. You know, I'm definitely playing a big recruiting role. Um, I feel like that's kind of another reason, like I said, I wanted to commit so, you know, we get this class rolling. So uh, I feel like I'm a big piece to that, and I can help us get, you know, get going. You know, there's a lot of, you know, I'm definitely trying to get a lot of DMV guys. I mean, that's the goal. You know, definitely Caleb Williams would be a huge get, so we're working on that too. That's exactly who I was going to ask you about next, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, 
Yeah, me and Caleb are definitely cool. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much you know about DMV rivalry, but, you know, our teams probably hate each other more than anybody. <laughs> so, you know, it's a little, we definitely have a little, you know, a little beef, but at the same time, we're definitely friends. But, you know, we definitely get fired up because, uh, you know, we have a big rivalry. Okay, I hadn't, yeah, I didn't realize I know a little bit of the lay of the land of the DMV, but not super, super well with, like, the rivalry stuff. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, the WCC, we, we pretty much all hate each other because it's all, it's all good competition, <laughs> you know. Um, but, yeah, I would say Gonzaga and is probably the worst. You know, we really, you know, we actually really don't like each other. You know, a lot, I don't think any of our guys on our team are cool, are actually, like, you know, actually cool with anybody on their team. You yeah. know, you know, even in normal life, so it's it's, it's rare that me and Caleb should, would even be friends just because you know how the good council uh, Gonzaga rivalry is. But you'd love to help protect them down the road, though. Oh yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. I love to, I love to. He's he's carried us. You know, I've actually I've never lost to him, but he's definitely given us a uh, run for our money a couple of times. He's a, he's a great GB. And there you have it, Matt Landon Tangwall outlining his choice on Penn State. Um, as you mentioned, there's much more. On him picking Penn State, I did a feature on him already uh, that's up on The Athletic, and we'll have more here in the coming weeks, months, um, hopefully not years, but you never know, Matt. You don't know how long this thing could last. We're staying Um, optimistic. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I mean, I'm hoping. There's also the Penn State mailbags up this week. Got a lot of really good questions. So there's all kinds of stuff, Um, and I'll throw this out there, too. If there's a story idea that you have for me, not just you, Matt, because you give me plenty of ideas, um, but listeners, if there's an idea you have, um, let me know. Put it in the comment section on a story. Send it to me on Twitter, uh, however you like, because we have some time to get really creative right now um, and try to maximize that time however we can. So looking forward to whatever ideas you all come up with. I've got a running list as well. Um, and we'll continue, dear old state, Matt, as as we need to, right? Yeah, we will be back soon. I think you know we might have some NFL draft to talk about. Uh, you've already mentioned your interview with Yitor Gross Matos, which is up on the Athletic. So check that out. It goes into his draft process at home, but also uh, talks. I think what a lot of people want to hear about is talks very positively about some of the guys waiting in the wings, like uh, Jason Owe, Adissa Isaac. So lots of interesting stuff in that interview for sure. And yeah, lots more to come. Audrey, you've been. Very busy writing, and uh, we're going to keep you busy. So I hope everybody subscribes and and reads Audrey's Penn State content, which will not stop. So uh, we'll be here. Uh, Hope everybody stays safe. And, uh, you know, we're all going to miss the blue-white game, of course, but more important matters. And, uh, yeah, we'll keep looking forward to a 2020 college football season whenever it may happen. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to uh, Landon Tangwall for taking the time. Uh, to talk with Audrey and uh, we'll uh, talk to everybody soon. Thanks for listening to Dear Old State. <laughs>